Phil. Hey everybody. And I guess also marketing Melissa as well. Howdy ho. I don't know why you're preposterous, but I guess <laughs> it's the first worked out. key word that came to mind. Are you silly Stuart? Super. Super Stuart. Super. Huh? Yes, I am. Star Wars Stuart. I am. Fresh off the heels of Rogue One that came out yesterday. How was that? Um, spoiler alert. I have to say that, right? Because otherwise people get mad. Really, really good. But I will say it put the war in Star Wars. Definitely not the most kid-appropriate movie, but it's brilliant. So check it out if you haven't already. So we're not here to talk about Star Wars. We are here to talk about hotel marketing. And let's kick it off with some news. What's going on, Misha? So I have a story from adweek.com that kind of grinds my gears a little bit. The title of the article is Hotel Websites Don't Matter and Three Other Insights on Travel Booking Trends. So, super clickbaity title, which also kind of grabs my goat, if you will. Thank you, Stuart, for that expression. Mm-hmm. Gets your goat, I think, more than grabs it. Oh, well, either way. I guess you could grab Tomato it by tomorrow. getting it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a lot of things with goats. Okay, each to their own. <laughs> so, the, the article basically summarizes a report that was released. Um, It was two companies, a brand engagement firm called Sullivan and a qualitative research firm, 2020 Research. And they looked at travelers' decision-making processes and came up with a few tips to help hotels attract more guests. The Adweek article kind of just highlights the four key takeaways, some of which I think are pretty common sense and I agree with, and some I don't necessarily agree with, and I'm not sure how they came up with these conclusions. The, the first one, location is paramount. I think that's something that we've seen in our own travel studies, that location of a property is very important to the decision-making process. Not something necessarily that a ho- hotel can control, but just something to keep in mind that your property might not be right for everyone just based on location. Yeah, and there's two types of location. There's like vicinity to an attraction or something, and then like geographic location related to like the ocean or something mm-hmm. like that. But you can always find a selling point with your location. It doesn't matter if, say, you're in a beach destination like Daytona and you're not right on the ocean. Well, maybe you're closer to something else, like one of the main attractions. So you focus on your strength rather than trying to trick people into thinking you're on the ocean when you're really five blocks off of it. Yeah, and that was one of the the things that they noted was that you should highlight your connection to the local community as well. So whether it's a proximity to something that's very popular or just local events or things that are going on in the community, community just make sure you're communicating that on your hotel website. Mm-hmm. So I, I was fine with that one. Another one was that reviews and social influencers have a major impact on booking. Again, that was kind of a no-brainer for me and something that we've seen in our own travel studies is that reviews are really important in that decision-making process. Yeah, we see up to 80% of people say they won't book without reading reviews now. So definitely, if you're not leveraging reviews on your own website, something you should definitely consider for 2017. Obviously, people go to TripAdvisor and other sites like that, but why not try to keep them on your own site by offering your own either third-party verified reviews or impartial reviews. You don't want everything to be glowing five-star when that's not the reality of the property. The the next two I kind of had some issue with, and this, this the number four, I'll skip to that one, says travelers don't care about your brand reputation. To me, that was 
a little backwards from number two about the reviews. And I know that they're two, talking about two different things, but they said they, they found that travelers with, with big brands specifically don't necessarily care about the brand positioning so much as they do the reviews and the, the experiences that people have there. Well, I would agree to that to a point, right? Because if, if I say look at a brand like a flag like Marriott, then I know that all Marriotts are going to have certain minimum standards to be on the Marriott program, right? They have brand standards for a reason, and my expectations are going to be at a different level with that than they would be with an independent. And I feel like reviews are more important with independents because mm. I don't have that basis to, to have assumptions from, right? But with Marriotts, I've seen a lot of those or a lot of Hiltons, and they can vary pretty tremendously. So I still read the reviews just to make sure I know the nuances of that property. Maybe the staff are really grumpy, or maybe their breakfast sucks, right? Or maybe it's really awesome. I want to know those nuances, but I also go in knowing the rooms are going to be a certain standard because it's a Marriott or Hilton or whatever that flag is. Yeah, and I don't know if this has impacted the hotel industry as much as it has other industries, but I know there have been situations where brands have related current events and tied it back to their core values and have taken a stand on really controversial issues, which I don't necessarily know how I feel about whether or not you should or shouldn't do that. Um, but I feel like in cases where like certain restaurants have had a very strong opinion on something that's going on politically or whatever, and I feel like in that situation, like your brand reputation, like people who are for that, you know, really see that in a good light. And then people who are against that, like tear you apart. Yeah, and I think I think it depends on what it is. You know, if you're getting into political stuff, then uh, you know it's always going to be polarizing. But but I do like you know like I'd say I think it was Marriott CEO that came out and was very pro LGBT and had some really strong things to say about it. And that's just socially is the right thing to do. And yeah, you're going to alienate some people that are just behind the times. But I think that's okay because it's it's a social cause that is worth fighting for and worth standing up to. Mm. Just like the civil rights were back in the 60s, mm. right? Or before. So I think that there's a balance between uh, I like Hillary or I like Donald Trump and this is right because this is we, we're humans and this is humanity and we should do mm. what's right by all of us, you know? So it does depend on the specific situation. I mean, you look at like... Chick-fil-A as an example that in the restaurant was the example world, right? I was thinking of. Where the owner maybe came out with some controversial statements that were anti-certain minorities and people flipped out, rightfully so, about mm. that stuff. Um, alienated a lot of people. I don't think that's the kind of thing you should be saying yeah. as a brand. But if you're trying to do good in the world and move forward in an agenda that is positive, then I think you should absolutely stand behind what you believe in. Absolutely. The, the final point that they had that I kind of have the most qualms with is that number three is hotel websites don't matter much. And just to kind of summarize what they say, um, 46% of travelers... Can you just travelers... repeat that quietly? Like, no, not quietly, loudly and yes. like with emphasis so yes. we can, that can really sink in with everyone. I will, okay, so just to repeat what the, this study said, hotel websites don't matter much. Hmm. Hotel websites don't matter much, but like no matter how you say it, it just sounds stupid. It does. <laughs> I don't know. It does so how do they justify tough. this? So, the I'll just briefly read some of this. Forty-six percent of travelers book via a booking engine, and none of the consumers surveyed for the report visited a hotel's website during the booking process. But then they go on to say, 
Hotels should focus on SEO, SEM too, because most of hotel searches start with Google. That's what? completely I'm not contradictory. Understanding yeah. any of makes it. no sense. Like you Zero. completely just contradicted what you said in the first sentence with the second sentence. Yeah, I, yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what one of the challenges, and we've talked about this before on the show, is that the booking engine is often on a separate domain or separate from the main website. We feel strongly that they should be better integrated. The booking engine should be in the same URL. Phil is actually writing a cool blog post about SEO related to booking engines right now um, that should be out this week. But where are they going to land that on? They're on misusing the, the term booking engine. Do you think maybe they're talking about an a OTA. meta search or an OTA? Well, they do point out that um, they say the power of information is shifting from the hotels to third party sources. So, yeah, so, that's probably just a misnomer. They probably meant to say a meta search. I don't. I don't think they meant like a hotel's. Either that, or engine. people are coming in directly into the booking engine from third-party sources. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, this whole section just, just kind of irritating yeah, to read. So I, I don't know. Like I feel like there's more to it that they just didn't explain very well in this article. Um, but yeah. So for the record, hotel websites do matter a lot. I don't know if anybody would disagree with me at this table, or if you're listening to the podcast, we've probably beat around the bush about that a little bit, that yeah. your hotel website is kind of important. Yeah. I'm going to write an article that's going to say hotel rooms don't matter much. <laughs> because it's just as ludicrous. Yeah. You know? So Crazy. Congratulations on clicks. I clicked, but... Ludicrous. It was a very, very clickbaity, yeah. shocking, you know... If they put yeah. the death of websites or something like that, it would be really cool. Well, because everything's like, dead. Everything, exactly. We were just talking like SEO is dead. SEO has been PPC emails dead. Everything's dead for everything's 15 dead. years. Yeah, mobile's dead. Star Wars is dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even joke about that. Wrong. So it's You're dead. as wrong as Adweek is on this article. Is that it? That, that is all I have to say about that. All right, so let's jump into today's topic. So today we're going to be talking about PPC or pay-per-click specifically as it relates to AdWords campaigns. And you know we're gonna get a little more granular than sometimes we do, and it might not relate for, to everyone that's listening, but we feel like it's important because one of the things we, we come across a lot is a, a, a hotel will come to us and say, take a look at what I'm doing and just give me some advice. What would you do differently? And we see a lot of mistakes made repeatedly with a lot of hotels, either whether they're managing their AdWords campaigns themselves or they're using a third-party agency that maybe doesn't specialize in hotels or maybe doesn't just doesn't have best practices down but there there are several mistakes that people make that are just costing them money and when you think about AdWords it, it can be a big budget right you're spending money every day to generate clicks and if you're miss spending that money it's gonna hit your ROI it's gonna maybe not maximize your occupancy and your revenue so we really want everyone that's listening to this to have a real kick-ass AdWords campaign. And then obviously you can extrapolate this over to Bing and some other advertising platforms as well. But we're going to dig into AdWords today. So let's kick off with the number one, and it's not in any particular order, but number one of mistakes people make with pay-per-click advertising. This is near and dear to my heart. And it's something that I see more often than I would expect to see in the year 2016, almost 2017, and that is not tracking your PPC. At a bare minimum, we are talking about at least the ability to track revenue back into AdWords, and if 
past that, ideally you'd want to track that back into whatever analytics software you're using, whether that be Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics, you'd want to see that in both places for a variety of reasons. But you need to be able to quantify how much money you're making for every dollar you're spending through a PPC ad. Yeah, I mean, you may be, you may be bringing people in, but if you don't know what's actually working, then, then it's pretty, pretty pointless. Yeah, you might as well just throw money out the window. Yeah, just real. to build upon that, just for anybody who's unfamiliar, there is a campaign ID or different types of campaign IDs that you can append on the end of your URLs to track that properly in analytics. And then on the AdWords end, there's really easy set ways to set up conversion tracking codes. Um, you just They can walk you through it. There's tons of documentation on it, but you essentially just place a code. Um, there's some you can place on the front end of your site for retargeting or also on your booking engine on your thank you pages to track that revenue directly as well. Right, and we could really get into the granular nature of this if we wanted to probably do a whole podcast on it but I think the bottom line is that in today's day and age you shouldn't be spending any money advertising unless you can track it right if you can't tell what the ROI is from every penny you spend then you probably shouldn't be spending that money the old adage of 50% of your advertising budget is is not effective and 50% is you just don't know which 50% is not true anymore you can track everything online and offline you can use unique phone numbers as well on your ads to make sure you see the offline revenue as well as using Google Analytics and AdWords now I would say this that I would recommend doing both AdWords and Google Analytics or Omniture or whatever you use because they measure it a little bit differently right, right. with AdWords it's always going to give 100% attribution all the time to every click. So if I click from AdWords to the website and then do a bunch of other stuff like come from an email, come from organic search, come from a, any other source and eventually book within 30 days, AdWords is going to take 100% credit for that booking in its own system. Whereas Google Analytics or anything else that's campaign tracking is going to overwrite that source with whatever the most recent source is. So if right. someone came in from AdWords and then eventually came in from an email campaign or something like that, it's gonna get attributed to that email campaign, usually in last click analytics, which is what most people are using. Um, so yeah, definitely do both, but track it regardless. Track it. Okay, is it me next? Number two is not running on brand keywords. And this is something that has been hotly debated for many years so when we talk about brand keywords what we're saying is if my name is hotel metropolitan then am i going to run on google when someone types in metropolitan hotel in my destination say i'm daytona beach right metropolitan daytona or variations thereof so why would one do that right because you're already probably ranking organically number one Hopefully. for those keywords if you're not there's probably a bigger problem you need to look at first but if you're not bidding on AdWords, then the chances are you're going to have a lot of people above your organic listing, namely the OTAs, TripAdvisor, and now even hotel ads as well from Google's um, platform. So there's a lot of choices for a consumer before they even get to your organic listing. So what we've done over the years and a lot of other companies have done is case studies and tests to see what impact it has by running on brand and not running on brand and whether or not it from a financial standpoint, makes sense. And there are a couple of points to this, right? One, the cost per click is usually very low. Competition isn't that great, so it's usually a fraction of what it would be to bid on a broad keyword like just Daytona Beach Hotels. But two, the conversion rate is really high, especially if you use 
really good ad copy. So putting differentiators like official site in your ad copy can really drive more click-throughs, which is gonna increase your, um, your conversion rate. It's gonna increase uh, or decrease your cost per click because now your quality score is going up. So there's a lot of factors there that if you optimize it right, you're really not spending that much. And typically your return on investment can be 10 to one or greater. And you really don't, when you test by switching it on and off, you don't lose a lot from the organic side. So it doesn't really cannibalize you as much as you would think. And we have a case study. If you go to our website, fueltravel.com and look at the results, there's a case study there where we did this with a couple of properties and showed the math of why it makes sense to do this. So everyone should be bidding on brand if they're not already. And just continuing along those thoughts and, and talking about that case study just a little bit, we have done this for clients where, you know, this is a hot topic and it takes a little bit of a uh, thought process and some proof to show that it, it's not as black and white as you might think, where if you turn brand PPC off, that all of a sudden that natural search traffic is just going to start pouring in. You know, we've done this with large hotel groups where we've turned off brand PPC for some of the properties and let it run for the rest of the properties and it never ever ever has ever balanced out where we got a greater gain from that natural search when ppc was turned off yeah for sure so yeah, yeah you're losing it to otas and, and right because they're not going to stop running on your keywords you can request that sometimes that may work um you know request your ota partners not do that but in a lot of cases they're still going to so so don't don't lose out on uh on your bookings and pay an OTA fee if you don't have to. Yeah. Especially when it's so affordable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you get a 10 to one return and if you, they don't book through you, you, you're probably getting a four to one return or a three to one return because you're paying 20, 25% to an OTA. It's a no brainer, right? It, yes, there's a little bit of cannibalization, but it's so minuscule compared to the return that you're getting. Um, it's really kind of brand protection in a lot of ways. Um, ideally, the OTAs wouldn't be bidding on your brand but that's just not the world we live in today. You can ask some of the OTAs and sometimes they'll stop for a period of time, but they're still gonna be on hotel ads. So they're still gonna be above you anyway. And, and TripAdvisor is gonna be up there. So you really, you don't have a choice, I think at this point, you have to do it. Yeah, and we've gotten a lot of questions from mostly smaller properties who on the off chance that an OTA is not running on their brand should they run PPC if there are no ads showing up? I mean, we've always been team yes, just because that's an extra spot for you to be on the SERP. So you're essentially pushing down those organic search results. So you might be losing that booking.com link or that TripAdvisor link or whatever it may be. So you're still, instead of having one listing there, you have you have two there now. So that's still an ideal situation. Yeah, and this is a real estate game. I mean, really your goal should be to dominate as much real estate as you can on the search engine results page because the more chance, more space you take up, the more chance that you're gonna get the click versus an OTA or versus your competition or a portal site, whoever else is on that page. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Number three on our list is negative keywords. So this is something that I think a lot of people don't take into consideration when they're initially setting up their accounts. And it can take a while to kind of look at the account and see what is what keywords are actually bringing in traffic to your ads. But there's a handy little report that you can run. It's a keyword details report, and that will show you a list of every single keyword that people are clicking on. So for example, if you're running um, phrase match or modified broad match, that's gonna bring in a lot of stuff that perhaps isn't super relevant or you don't wanna be running on. So a negative keyword is essentially 
a keyword that if you have it in your negative list and it's appended at any point to that keyword, it will not show up on that. So for an example, something that we always like to put in is hotel name bed bugs. That might be something that every hotel, you probably don't want to run an ad or if that's your strategy and you want to kind of combat that, that's fine too. But yeah, or at a minimum, run a very unique ad about that. Like yeah. talking about what your policy is related to how you mitigate against bed bugs and stuff yeah. like that. You wouldn't want to run just your regular summer special on a bed bugs keyword. For sure. So things like that that people often are looking for information on that might be might not be very positive or you know anything unique to your market that might pop up you're going to want to put some negatives in there so that your ads are not showing up when people are searching for that yeah the other big one is destinations right especially if your property name is a common name that exists in other mm -hmm. destinations that's the one i see a lot of people waste a lot of money on so if i have a property in daytona beach but there's also another version of my property with the same name in the caribbean I'm going to want to put in Caribbean keywords as negative keywords so that I'm not showing up for those searches and wasting my money for people that aren't interested in my property. Yeah, and this is this is something that we monitor regularly. We, we go back in and check our accounts all the time to see if there's any new negative keywords we need to add because mm -hmm. you know, maybe it didn't pop up in the past six months, but now a few people are searching something that you need to negative. So this isn't a one and done. This is a, a continuous monitor. Yeah. yeah, and you can go in, like whenever you're setting up your account, we'll traditionally put in, you know, whether it's bed bugs or another destination, you know, you can go ahead and set some, but then as your account runs and if you're looking at your keyword details report and are seeing stuff showing up that doesn't make sense or you definitely mm -hmm. don't want to run on AdWords, makes it really easy to just click on that and add it as a negative for your entire campaign so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we had one incident with a client where there was a shooting at the hotel and, you know, we had, there was a lot of search volume for hotel name shooting. In that that's another example where it wasn't something that was on our original negative keyword list, but we, we obviously yeah. added it after the fact. Uh, but the other thing is when you're looking at the list of keywords, there are a lot of benefits from an SEO perspective too, because now you're getting insight into what are some things that people are actually searching for? What are some combinations that I hadn't thought about? And if you see that there's volume for some of these keywords, then not only should you be running ads on it, but you might wanna go create content in your blog or wherever it is on your site that capitalizes on those keywords too. So now you can not only rank on you know, the ad, but you get a second listing there in the organic as yeah, well. Yeah, that keyword details report Misha was talking about is, is a great resource for that. <clears throat> you may find a keyword you didn't know you should be optimizing for, but a lot of people are searching for it. Mm -hmm. So you know, not only is that good to find negatives, but it's also good to find you know, opportunities as well. Yep. So, oh, oh, go ahead. Next on the list, we got uh, geotargeting. Um, geotargeting is a it's a great way to avoid unqualified clicks. Um, it just basically allows you to set an area where your ads will run. So uh, you can geotarget your campaigns to really profitable areas and kind of eliminate areas that generate clicks but no bookings. Um, you can also, uh, we see hotels use this to create a sense of familiarity in a region. Um, geotargeting geo a city or state allows you to put that city or state in the ad copy so check out our exclusive deals for Albany visitors and you know that that type of thing creates a you know familiar feeling for people searching in the Albany area and they're much more likely to click yeah it's about making the ads as relevant as you can right and trying to get people to click because obviously the, the higher click-through rate the less you're gonna spend cost per click the, the higher returns gonna be so 
A, a great example of this I've seen is where hotels know that in a certain destination there's a new direct flight opened up to, mm -hmm. to their destination. So they can geo-target that region and say flights from only $99 and you know really try to push people to come stay from that specific region um, you know I don't think that there's necessarily a, a magic source to saying I'm gonna because some people that what they'll do is they'll say I'm gonna geo target my campaigns but the ad copy is the same for everyone there's really no value to that it doesn't make sense just to geo target local and outside of local people and run the same ads but if you're gonna make unique ads for each geographic region that you're running a campaign on you can definitely increase conversion rate. Yeah, and I'll, another example that just popped in my head where we've seen success with this, um, in Myrtle Beach specifically, being such a cyclical market, we have clients that will run staycation campaigns and only run that within, whether it's a short drive market or just within our own area and try to push people that would probably come for a weekend or whatever it might be, but just really geo-targeting out and keeping it close yeah, to home. And they tie this, we've seen people tie this with other advertising, um, uh, maybe a certain billboard you have in an area, or you're running a radio spot somewhere. Mm -hmm. If you're running a radio spot in a specific region, you should be running an, an AdWords ad specific to that region, specific to your radio spot, kind of ties everything together. Yeah, and you can get really, really creative with, with this if you want to make it a, a campaign beyond just AdWords. If you start doing re re targeted lists for search ads or remarketing lists for search ads as well so anyone that's come to your website and they're in this geographic location you could start running on crazy keywords that aren't even closely relevant to you right because you're building awareness right this is a longer shot kind of a strategy but say you you target charlotte and you're blanketing that place with media so you're running tv spots in radio spots all the time and you know that someone in the past has come to your website so they have at least an interest in coming to visit your destination and visiting you now you can start running on broader keywords they're not just searching for Daytona Beach or Myrtle Beach vacations they could be searching for new shoes but you could hit them potentially because you know they're going to be a lot more qualified they've been to your site and they're hearing your ads or seeing your ads on TV it opens up opportunities on AdWords if you have excess money to spend all right, number five, also near and dear to my heart, is regular testing. We talk about this frequently on this podcast in terms of website testing. We've talked about it about testing emails, but you should also be testing your PPC campaigns. And that's everything from headlines to specific ad copy to landing page. The possibilities are endless, but you know, sky's the limit on what you could possibly test and you need to kind of keep pushing yourself to continually optimize those ads. Right, and I mean, it could be could be small things. I mean, just testing, you know, one headline versus another, or the positioning of those type of words. That those are all great tests because they can vary greatly. Yeah, and I like to see like seasonal tests as well because mm -hmm. people are going to respond to different words and different motivations at different times of the year, and you can test, you know, whether a percentage discount is going to work more than a dollar amount discount stuff like that you know you could always always test the ad copy um, the bid amount you should probably be testing to see where your position falls uh, the landing page which we'll talk about in a minute where you're sending people but it's, it really comes down to you're trying to get someone to click but not just click but also convert right so making sure that whatever is on the ad is relevant to where you're sending them and, and trying to maximize that click-through rate. Because again, like we said earlier, if the click-through rate is higher on the ad, then you're gonna spend less cost per click because you've got a better quality score. And that's really how you win the pay-per-click game is by driving up that quality score as high as you can. 
Yeah, and for smaller accounts, if you're running this in-house, um, it's not hard to do this manually. The AdWords Express Editor is a great tool that you can use where it makes it really easy to copy and paste and do some things that you can't do directly in the AdWords UI. But if you are running a larger scale campaigns, there is definitely software out there that can help you expedite this and make it a lot more efficient. Yeah, sometimes they can get expensive, but they can really, if, if you're spending a lot of time mm -hmm. manually doing that, then it's definitely worth For looking sure. at those. And I'm pretty sure we have a blog on this as well. We will look that up and put it in the show notes. And, and if we don't, Misha just volunteered yeah, to write it. I, yeah, there we go. That's how that works. Right. <laughs> so next on the list, we have, um, we see this quite often, bidding on keywords that are just too broad. Hotels. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't bid on hotels. That's basically what we're getting at. So it's, it's kind of like geotargeting. It's a quick way to spend money on unqualified visits. Um, you don't want people coming in and not getting what they wanted when they hit your site. So, you know, a lot of people start their PPC campaigns with broad keywords, which is fine. It, it, that'll help you find where you should be running and find opportunities. But don't stick with your broad keywords for an extended period of time. Refine your lists and, and, and make them better. Um, but definitely use more long-term exact or long-tail exact match terms. Um, decreases your CPCs and it brings in a lot more qualified visits. Yeah, I think the only caveat I would say to that, I, I, there are some clients that if if you really are the best offering in your market, like say um, I, I know a couple of destinations where there's properties that are just immaculate, they're clean, they're beautiful, they have the best water amenities, they just they're the place that everyone knows and everyone wants to stay. Sometimes, if you say typed in Daytona hotels and you were that pinnacle property, sometimes that conversion rate can be high enough and the ROI can be high enough to justify it. But there's also a little sweet spot in between those broad mm -hmm. in, in the brand, right? So if you get semi-specific, so if you have an asset that not everyone has, say you have a bowling alley, right? Or say you're very close to the boardwalk or something that's unique to you and only a couple of properties, those are the kind of semi-broad keywords that can actually work. But again, it comes back to what Melissa was talking about with you got to measure, you got to track it, and you got to test it. Because that's if you're not generating a positive ROI, then it doesn't make sense to do it. Yeah, I completely agree here. I think non-brand is definitely worth testing for a lot of properties, but I really think you need to play to your strengths and just realize, and the same goes with an SEO strategy. I mean you're not going to rank for hotels and destination. Your individual hotel brand is just not gonna rank for that. And that's fine, like that's such a, an upper funnel search term. And so the same applies to PPC. The return is probably not gonna be there. It's gonna be really expensive, but play to your strengths. You know, you might have a hotel with a really, really great water park. So from an SEO perspective, we would make sure there's tons of content about that and that you can rank re really well organically. So from a paid perspective, somebody has already narrowed down their search a little bit. They know they want something that has a water park or a free breakfast or whatever it might be. You fit pretty well within that category in a limited space. So go ahead and spend some money on that and see if you can get that return. Yeah, and sometimes it's worth doing it for a little while just to see how people will behave and determine whether or not a certain keyword, broader keyword is something you wanna go after from an SEO perspective, right? Because you can assume that consumers that are clicking through from that keyword are gonna behave the same, whether it's from a paid ad or an organic ad. So maybe you're thinking, all right, do I need to really double down and create a lot of content about water parks in this destination because they have a good water feature? Test it out, and that'll give you a yes or no as to whether they're going to convert when they land on your website. And really, it, it comes back to return. 
If yeah. you're getting, if you can run on a broad keyword and get return, go ahead and do it. But if you're, if you're just losing money running on broad keywords, that's what we're trying to avoid, and that's the typical mistake we're talking yeah. about. And then this also leads back to what we talked about a second ago, which is the remarketing list for search ads. If you are running, uh, if you have that pixel on your website that is capturing people that have come to your website, so you know there's already an interest in your website and your property, then sometimes it's worth running campaigns just targeting those individuals on broader keywords because they are going to convert higher and the ROI is going to be higher. So that's one little caveat to this discussion. So moving on to number seven on our list is not taking advantage of seasonal or event-driven ad copy. Any destination anywhere has events, whether that's one big event annually or you live in a metropolitan area and there's tons of events. And this could be conferences or music festivals or whatever it might be that draws people into your area. So from a PPC perspective, you should absolutely be taking advantage of this. And I'll kind of expand this out to also include keywords related to those specific events. So you should be running on those keywords and tying your ad copy back to that. But also just when it comes to being very close in to the time of that event, include that in some of your more broad ad copy as well for your more broad campaigns. You really need to be taking advantage of that. It makes it more timely and more relevant and it really sets you apart from the competition. Right, yeah, running, running on keywords like hotels near a venue or hotels by an event or things like that, that that's, that's what Misha's talking about, sets you apart it, 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 within walking distance of something. Those type of keywords, running on those, that, that's, that, that's going to help you get people to click on the, on the ad and get people on your site. Yeah, so using an, an example that's local to us and that we do for some of our clients in the area, the Carolina Country Music Fest, a huge event that comes here, comes in June, I believe. Um, so it's a big summer event, early summer kickoff. So we'll typically run ads on keywords that are related to that event. So hotels near Carolina Country Music Fest or hotels walking distance from the festival, whatever it might be. And then as that event comes a little bit closer and a lot of that demand is going to be for that event anyway, you know, we'll make might it's on the boardwalk. So we might have some boardwalk related campaigns that tie back into the event or even just the branded hotel names. We'll include some information about that. And this is particularly helpful when it is close into the event and you have inventory and other hotels are sold out, communicate that. Say, hey, Carolina Country Music Fest, still a few rooms less. Creating that sense of urgency, making it hyper relevant. That's what's gonna fill up your rooms. Awesome, so number eight on the list is site links and uh, ad extensions. So going back to what we talked about earlier, which was dominating the search results page with as much real estate as possible, site links is a great way to expand your ad. So you basically can add three or four extra links at the bottom of your ad that can link directly to pages within your website. So you could, for example, have one that's like book now and it goes to your booking engine if it's on your main URL, or you could have uh, one that links to your specials or one that we've seen really uh, be effective is accommodations where you link directly to the accommodations page. And this does a couple things. Like I said, one, it expands your real estate on the SERP page, but it also is more helpful to the consumer. And we can see a high conversion rate on the people that click through because we now know that this person that clicked on the ad and clicked on the accommodations part, that's the bit that really is interesting to them or important to them. So they're gonna land on more relevant content. Click through rate's gonna go, I mean, conversion rate's gonna go higher, cost per click's gonna go lower. So that's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, those, and that's just the site links. This, I mean, there's other extensions too. There's there's click to call, there's, you know, review, there's, um, there's I mean, call out extensions to say, you know, we were 
you know, we were listed in such and such magazine and, and things like that. I mean, there's there's just so many options here and they're constantly coming out with new ones. I mean, this is it's 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 a great way to take like stores that take up a lot of real estate and add a lot of usefulness for the user. Yeah, and it differentiates you too. So if you're, for example, using the review extension and it actually shows a four or five star review rating for your property in your ad, your ad now looks different than everyone else's. So you're more likely to get clicked. Not only is it taking up more space, but it looks more interesting and has stuff that's more helpful to that consumer. And the, the call out extension is great, especially all the click to call extensions are really great for people, especially on mobile, where they don't necessarily want to click through to a website, they just want to call the property. So there's a lot of advantage to using extensions. And I will say this, Google changes extensions and adds new ones all the time, is always experimenting, to, so stay on top of it. You know, in the past they've done like photo extensions, where you can have a little carousel of images, stuff like that. Not all of them stay, not all of them work out, but you should always be testing them. Like Melissa says, always be testing. Always be testing. And that kind of leads me into number nine, which is my personal favorite of this list of Didn't things. Didn't you say that about the other two? That you yeah, okay. it's like picking between your kids. You can't really <laughs> say you have a favorite. Yeah, yeah but you no, as the favorite kid, <laughs> I will say you can. But anyway. So looking at the wrong key performance indicators, we talked about this a few podcasts ago when we talked about the 10 most important metrics when looking at hotels, what really matter. What doesn't matter is how much traffic you get. Great, you spent a whole bunch of money sending people to your website, that doesn't mean that they're converting. What we want to be looking at are the metrics that matter. And with PPC, one of the top metrics is the click-through rate of your ad. So what that's telling you is when people searched on a particular keyword, was the copy of your ad important enough? Did it grab their attention to actually make them click on it? That's one part of getting people to your website. But again, that's not the most important thing. Once they got there, if they clicked on your ad, did they convert? And by conversion, it could very well be a booking that we're talking about, or depending on what your campaign strategy is, it might be to collect emails or whatever that, get a quote, whatever that is what was the conversion rate and how much money did you actually make? Those three things, really important. Yeah, and ultimately it comes down to ROI, right? So the return on investment, how much did you spend versus how much you made. At the end of the day, all the other metri metrics lead into that. One of the things I get a lot when people um, come to me is like, we hit our goal every month, we spend $5,000 a month. I'm like, well, spending money is not a goal. Because we can really do that easily. Yeah, we can literally just bid on hotels and spend that probably in a click or two. Yeah, on mesothelioma, which yeah. is like $100 a click. I don't know how I know that. Car insurance, that's another one that's yeah. way up there. Hey, exactly. We'll just bid on that. No. Yeah. <laughs> how much money you spend, it should not ever be a goal. It should be ROI and the lead indicators on that, like Melissa said, click-through rates, conversion rates, stuff like that. Yeah, and I will also add on to that by saying that I feel like it's really important to not only understand what KPIs you're looking at, but understanding how that ties into other things. So if you're looking at your click-through rate and you see you have a pretty strong click-through rate, that's great. Your ad copy is doing its job. But then looking at the next step in the funnel, they get to your landing page, they're bailing out from there. So understanding, okay, not only what do these things mean, but what can I do to improve this? So do some landing page testing, evaluate where you're bringing people on the website. Knowing how to look at the data and then knowing how to improve it, I think is what is really important here. Yeah, because it's really easy to get caught up on one of those metrics. So say like click-through rate, you could easily say free hotel rooms in your ad copy and get a ton of clicks. But then if you don't deliver on that promise on the landing page, people are gonna bail out. So just click-through rate on its own, may look great, 
but it might actually be a really bad thing because you know what? every time someone clicks they're spending your money if you're not ultimately converting them then it's a waste of time and that leads back to point number one you gotta track it yes otherwise you're not gonna know exactly that's all i'm saying about that all right what's the last one uh last one kind of just lead into this um it, it's we see this a lot where people don't match the query with the landing page the visitor hits. You want these searchers to find the information they're looking for as fast as possible. Um, you know, if you're running on an exact match brand, say, um, your brand name search, that's okay, you can send someone to your homepage. But if someone's searching for four bedroom hotel rooms, you don't necessarily wanna send them to your homepage, send them to the four bedroom page. That makes more sense, it answers their query, and they're gonna be much more likely to convert if you do that. Yeah, and I think this comes back to some what I was speaking about the events as well, always testing. So if you are running on a little bit more specific event in your area, have a dedicated landing page for that that provides not only the opportunity to book, but also information about that event, ticketing information if possible with links to buy tickets or if you're selling tickets for the event, making that as relevant as possible. As we've said earlier, that's going to make it more affordable for you to run on those types of terms by having a very high relevance and quality score, but it's going to be a better user experience and people are going to be more likely to convert from that. Yeah, definitely. And, that, and like you just mentioned, it's really important that the query matches the ad copy, matches what's on the landing page. That helps you get a better quality score and it's going to help your conversion rate also. Great. So those are our top 10 mistakes that we see that hotels make when it comes to AdWords. And knowing that often ad budget on AdWords and being in these other places can often be one of the largest line items on a hotel's budget, just small incremental improvements can make a big difference in terms of your overall health of your property, profitability of property, and your marketing strategy overall. So hopefully you were already not making any of these mistakes, but if you maybe you were making one or two or the people that are running your AdWords campaigns were, then hopefully you took something from it and you can hopefully make a little more money next week. So that is it for PPC and the mistakes. So let's talk about some housekeeping things. So we are looking for an intern. Misha, do you want to describe the type of intern we're looking for? Are you awesome? Then you're a great fit. <laughs> Very specific. A few more qualifications. So we are looking for an account management and marketing services intern. So I will say you will get to learn about a lot of different things. This might be great for a student or a recent graduate who doesn't necessarily know what they want to do in the business world or the marketing world but is interested in working at an agency. You'll get to dabble with a lot of different things related to client services and hotel marketing. We're a really fun team. I like to think that we're a good time. So if you're interested, please email us and submit your resume. Let us know why you think we'd be a good fit. Yeah, and it is a paid internship, number one. And two, it is an internship where you will get a lot of value. You will get trained on a lot of marketing and hotel-related stuff. You're not just going to be making coffees and fetching tea for me and other people on the, in the team. So definitely, if you're interested or you know someone that is that wants to get into the industry, then you can go to fueltravel.com slash careers and fill out the application there or shoot us an email. Um, or hit us up on Twitter and impress us. And we want people to knock our socks off and that's the kind of person we're gonna hire. We're also looking for a traffic manager to help on our web team, someone that understands content management systems. They don't need to know programming, but they need to know how to manage content on a website and then be really detail-oriented and can dish out all the work from our lovely clients to our wonderful developers. That is another that we're looking for. And you can get more descriptions on both those positions, again, at fueltravel.com 
slash careers. So the other piece of housekeeping is we are not going to have an episode next week for Christmas. We're going to be off on Friday of next week, which is when we usually record the episodes. So it'll be a two-week break or one-week break. We'll be back the week of, of New Year's, and we're going to do an episode focused on New Year's resolutions for hotels and cool stuff to look forward to in 2017. So you can find us on the web at uh, Fuel Travel. You can get the podcast notes for this episode at fueltravel.com slash podcast click on episode 35 and you can hit us up on twitter and ask us questions and tell us all kinds of cool stuff about yourself at fuel travel and melissa where can they find you on the twitter sphere i'm at ma cavanagh m-a-k-a-v-a-n-a-g-h and phil you can find me at p farisca that's p-f-o-r-i-s-k-a and misha you can find me at marketing misha that's at marketing m-e-i-s-h-a and you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. Again, you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your reviews. Again, that's on my Christmas wish list. If you will go to iTunes and leave us a review, that will make me a very happy chappy. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs>